This is Kevin. And this is Ron. And this episode of Your Valuable Home is brought to you by Provia. Provia, a faith-based company that makes entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and metal roofing, all of incomparable quality. Welcome to Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast for listeners who believe that residential real estate is the way to build wealth. Hi, I'm Kevin Kennedy, a working contractor and host of Your Valuable Home. Your Valuable Home is for homeowners and investors alike who want to acquire and improve real estate based upon educated decisions. And I'm Ron Milk, Your Valuable Home producer and co-host. Our weekly one-hour podcast is not about doing it yourself. It's about hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. And it's not about flipping. It's about buying and holding to build wealth. Homeowners and investors who strive to create wealth and financial freedom with real estate and avoid costly home improvement mistakes. Your valuable home is for you. The Project Replay made redoing our kitchen and bath trouble-free. Your horror stories have kept us from hiring the wrong contractors. The college segments have taught us how to keep toxins out of our home, what to look for in replacement windows, how to borrow sensibly against home equity, and more. College teaches investors like me how to freshen up my rentals without spending a fortune. Their suggestions are great for ROI. It's time for Your Valuable Home. All right, now it's time for another show here. Ron, we got a replay we're going to be starting with, and what do we have? We have with us today a special guest, Mrs. Christina Sasso, who's going to be talking about a refurbishment job that uh, she and Frank are doing in a place called Knoxville, Pennsylvania, where they have a big property. Where is Knoxville? It's about five minutes from the New York state border. If you know where Corning, New York is, we're about 45 minutes west of Corning, New York. What do you have planned? We have a lot planned, but specifically right now, we're working on what used to be the Sugar Shack, where they made maple syrup. So it's Is that a big maple syrup area? I thought it was big. always like uh, Vermont, New Hampshire. No, it's really big. They How even have that? a maple weekend festival. Yeah, you when you drive around, you see a lot of the pipes running through the woods that hook up to the vats that collect the... And they, they stick this thing in a tree and, yep. and suck out all the maple syrup. I always thought yeah. that was moonshine. I, no, I'd probably I wish. do that. No. <laughs> I, I never realized that yeah, was a big yeah, area it's for big up there. Maple syrup. So they used to process the maple syrup in this little shack. You could tell because there's pulleys that open up the roof to let the steam out when they used to, hmm. you know, render. How about that? Yeah. So it's a cute little cottage. It's basically two big rooms. We've expanded it a little bit. And um, we're going to make it a little vacation spot slash. So it was actually like a workshop before. Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. Okay. They had big copper vats that they would put the maple syrup in, and you have to boil the water off of it, so mm-hmm. it becomes more syrupy. That's yeah. pretty cool. All mm-hmm. right, how did you come across this place? I mean, not too many people, I think, have you've ever been through Knoxville, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I've never heard of Knoxville. It's a sleepy little town, and it's wonderful. So I don't want to tell anybody about it because I don't want anybody. We to just did. Come there. <laughs> <laughs> Stay home, everybody. I've always wanted property, and I want more acreage. We found this little old campsite which had an rv on it and it had the sugar shack on it, it has an old barn on it so all those things will eventually be you're going to restore everything yes okay. yes yes right. okay. we have a little frolic which is an old camper from 1970 that we're going to restore what is the eta on start to completion i don't know because you know we have well, you got a, multiple projects right? yeah we've yeah. got a lot of yeah. projects and we mm-hmm. also have the georgia project so that's another thing <laughs> <laughs> so i love property i can't help it <laughs> I don't know what it feels like to open a door and walk in and it's all done. I always have a project. You know, it's always uh, 
some my, time. My project days are over. I don't want to do any of that stuff anymore. That's why I have my management companies for my uh, Yeah, I, I love, I, I have to, I don't know. I just. But you have a plan though. You talk yes. about a plan. So you have a start to finish where yeah. so, you know what you want to do. Yes. So what we want to do is it's basically um, a room, the room that's the bedroom um, we've expanded because my neighbor, Nancy, hey, Nancy, she's across the street and um, she owns a wonderful little farmhouse and she has a farm and she came in and she goes, I could see, see laying on the bed right here. And since you're going to open that wall, imagine laying on the bed and just looking through the window at the woods. Wouldn't that be lovely? And then I, the wheel started turning because that wasn't the plan. <laughs> so sure enough, I said, you know what, Frank, I think we should put two huge windows in here so that we can lay in bed or have some chairs set up. We can have our coffee in the morning and just see the woods. Okay. Well, Kevin and I will be trekking to Knoxville <laughs> in uh, a couple of weeks, actually, right? Yep. Yeah. To put in two gorgeous Provia windows. Why don't you explain the windows? Christina, I, I know you and I talked about mm -hmm. what ideas that we could come up with a window. I know the one's going to be a large picture window. Right. And then the other one, we converted back into an, a large picture with flankers, which are windows left and right of it. They're going to open up that are casements. So they look mm -hmm. like picture windows that open up to a 90-degree angle. Gotcha. Yeah. So with that window, it's the Provia Indoor window, all white. Nice window. And mm -hmm. what we're yeah. going to be doing step-by-step step, along with doing the windows is a step-by-step step process of how windows should be installed. Mm. And everybody's got their own theory to do it, but this is the correct way to do it because when these are installed, you're done forever. Oh, nice. Well, I guess in my lifetime. How many steps are you going to use? Because that, that'll determine how many layers of clothing I have to wear. Well, that's what, yeah. Right? It's yeah. going to be cold. Well, uh, it's March, so it's, it, you know, depends. There might be snow on the ground. Could, I don't could know. be snow. Is there snow up there now? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, we're not we're going now. We'll be prepared for it. <laughs> we <laughs> snow boots. Well, how, many, how, many steps, how many steps do you follow? I'm going to be putting a, a boatload of them. And we're going to describe all those steps. Every step by okay. step. If you, and this is for any of our listeners. Mm -hmm. If you're getting this job done this way, once you get it done this way, getting a price from a contractor, you'll never need to do it again. If they're going to right. try to sell you something different, when you see the levels that I'm going to put into this and how much time I'm going to put into this, you're not going to have the problems. But again, it's trying to explain to people, look, it, for installation from a contractor, it could be a little bit more money because of these steps that we're ensuring that if something does happen, there's so many layers of protection mm -hmm. that everything's going to fall into place where you're going to be good for the next 45, 50 years. won't get water in, in the house. Right, right. Yeah. And cold, because it, cold. it yeah. will be very cold. And it, it doesn't get super hot, but I, I don't like the heat. So Well, the windows do have lowy glass. That right. reflects the sun, the, mm -hmm. the ultraviolet lights that heat up. The solar heat gain is going to be inside the house. You're not going to get that either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that, though. So these are going to go <laughs> in, in a couple of weeks. Do you have heat in there? No. Okay, so what is the ETA on getting this sugar shack done? Well, we have had issues with people who work up there. I don't know how many people have been in and out, three separate construction guys. One in particular, what he would do is he'd say, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and we'd come back up, and he hadn't done it. And the reason why is because he has other jobs. Sounds so like He's never heard that before. Yeah, he'd leave story. our job and what do another job because we really wanted to spend Christmas up there last year, and we couldn't because there, nothing was done. So really what has to be done is plumbing, electric, insulation and then finishing so the floors have to go down and all that wow there's still a lot of work to do right well we have the cement down the cement was poured 
the windows mm. are in other than the ones that were there are fine. Other you mean in the rest of the place? Yeah, of the, everything okay. is, the walls are up and studded. And again, we're not doing anything fancy. There's not going to be a full-out bathroom in there. It's going to be a composting bathroom, but there will be a uh, sink. There's not mm-hmm. going to be a shower because th- we have a bathhouse. It used to be an old campground, so... If you want you to have take to a go shower. outside to take a shower. Yeah, okay. go into the bathhouse. Or sounds great. Dead, dead of the winter when it's 22 degrees below zero. It actually zero. is not bad because the bathhouse is heated. Yeah, but don't you have to walk outside? Yeah, but you put your boots on and your coat. What else are you wearing? <laughs> I have a boots and a coat going out there. I don't know if I'm going to be too happy about walking back in the snow. Oh, my goodness. Come on. I'm very temperature sensitive. <laughs> I'm just thinking of myself when I'd be up there. It's great. So I'll I be visiting it. you from July 4th to July That's 29th. Fine. That's fine. Some people. July 4th to July 5th. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Listen, it's beautiful in the summer because it doesn't get super hot. That's why I wanted the windows to open so I can get the breeze in. Is it is the town a big town? It can't be a big town. No, right? It's a really small town. The big store there is Dollar General. That's our big okay. go-to store. All right. But we're close to Wellsboro. Which Wellsboro is, is the Grand Canyon of Pennsylvania, isn't it? That's one of the yeah trailheads is there. I searched my databanks for yes, that. Yes, you're yeah. absolutely okay. right. And it's also the Dickens Village at Christmas time. Oh, they I, get, didn't, I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, they get like 30,000 people wow, flooding that town that? around Christmas time. Yeah, so that's the big town we would go to if we wanted to go out to dinner or, you know, go shopping or whatever. And that's a bigger town? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. is it? Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's still I a, don't know much about that whole area. A village. Though. And we're mm-hmm. close to Painted Post, which is closer to... That's, that's another in, name that's, of another town? Yeah, that's in New York. It's the same distance as kind of to Wellsboro. Okay. That's where the, right. the big box stores are, like your Home Depot and your Walmart. And Pennsylvania, so a bonus, a Pennsylvania geography lesson here. Christina. Yes. As you well know, we're going to shoot a video of this whole thing. I know. Of I'm Kevin doing, doing his work and explaining what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Show us around the property, too. Absolutely. We'll, we'll I love catch it. Catch some uh, You'll meet the neighbors. The maybe meet the get neighbors. some fresh eggs. Our neighbors sell There you eggs. go. Sounds good to me. Yeah. $2.50 a dozen. It'll be on the New Pod City YouTube channel. All right, Ron, now it's time for the horror story. And as usual, plethora of horror stories come in, but I believe you have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, well, actually, it's not one you laugh about. You know I have a uh, rental unit in Philadelphia, Correct. right? Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, goes back a month now, actually, my tenant calls me. She says, I can't get out any hot water out of the shower. You know, it's one of those rotary things you turn around, it's got the, the temperature gauge in it. I said, okay, we'll come down. I, I actually first sent down, I have one of those home warranty services. Mm-hmm. won't mention who it is. Probably easy to figure out, right? So they send somebody down from Philly. Guy comes back and he says, all your tubing needs to be switched out. How much is that? $500. And you need a new water heater. All right. So I called them up and I said, okay, look, this dude is calling, telling me I've got to spend $500 because I don't think there's anything wrong with the way the thing is hooked up. And is that a technical term, tubing? Tubing. Yeah, okay. copper tubing. Oh, the copper, copper tubing, okay. Yeah. So it's got to be replaced. Yeah, it had to be all redone. And then they tell me they're going to cover $650 of the whole thing. I said, you got to be kidding me. This is this is going to, water heaters are like $1,100. This would be the most expensive water heater job in the history of the country. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I say, cool, I did this. You give me seven, $650, but I'm going to take my buddy down there, John Plummer, who's been on the show, John goes in, he says, what's this guy talking about? All you got to do is disconnect the two tubes, the hot and the cold water, right. reconnect them, boom, you're done. That's the way I would do it. So we schlepped down here with a water heater, 
The whole job cost me 1100 bucks, And we put it in, and we were done in like probably an Three hour. Three hours? No, an hour 15 minutes. Oh, carrying it in John the whole drive. Is, yeah, John is, because uh, I had all the codes and everything to get in. And so we do that. A week later, my tenant calls me. She says, there's no hot water. I said, you just put the new hot, hot water heater in. John says, it's probably the cartridge. So he said, find out what brand of dial they right, got the valve. There. And when I mentioned the brand, he says, oh, my. Oh, geez, that's the worst possible situation. That's going to be a nightmare to replace it. Let's just put a new one in there. So last week, we go down again. And that's always a process because I, my, my tenant's got to you know, lock up her dog. She's got to do this, that, and everything else. We go down there again. We're looking for the shutoff valve because you got to turn mm-hmm. all the water off in the apartment. No shutoff valve in the apartment. What is going on here? So it turns out I had to get the board involved, the HOA board. Turns out all the shutoff valves for all the apartments are in an area of the basement that's got a coated lock on it. Picture somebody having a, a pipe burst in their apartment. What do they do? The whole place is going to be like a fishbowl because you can't turn the water off because nobody knows this. And even they know, they can't get in because there's a, there's a, a lock on the door. So we, I finally get everything it's unlocked. We go in there and we find that the shower, where the shower is attached to the wall, to the OSB, is in a utility closet that's loaded with groceries and everything. And there's no access panel. There's no access panel to get into it. <laughs> and this is that's just getting, It's just crazy. <laughs> this is cra- absolutely crazy. This is like the Grinch's stole Christmas at work in a plumbing business, you know? And so we go in and we start cutting drywall out. He took, took a guess. He says, the pipes either come down from the top or up from the bottom. As it, it turned out, it was coming down from the top. So we have to cut this drywall out. We took everything out of the closet cut the drywall out, and after we do that, he finds that, that it's screwed into the OSB, and there's no access panel, okay? There's, there's no way to get to it. So I get my management company involved. I go over this whole thing with them on the phone. I said, look, above everything else, you got to understand that the shuttle valves are all the way down in the bowels of the basement, right? And it's locked up. So I'll get the HOA to give you the codes, Okay. So they go, and I write them a long email, too, explaining exactly what has to be done. Tell them that we left the, the, the new turnt dial there, right? And <laughs> I call them the day after they go there, and I say, how'd you do? What'd you do? He says, well, we cut the drywall. I mean, I said, what about, what about the, uh, the faucet? He said, well, you didn't tell me to do that. I said, I did. It was a, it's in a long email. <laughs> and your email is very thorough. I'll, re- I'll read it <laughs> to you right now. Not only that, but I told you about it. So they said he would be there yesterday. Well, I just I talked to him this morning. They're going today. So this woman's got all her groceries all over her kitchen all this time, figuring these guys are going to come back, and they're not coming back. But can you imagine a simple job like this? First of all, I paid for a water heater that I didn't need to buy, okay, because some guy wanted to shake us all down and, and, and charge, us some, charge me some more money. Can I ask you a question something? now? When you and, you and John went down there, when she said she had no hot water in the shower, did you check the kitchen sink, see if there was hot water there? We did. And? It was, there was hot water in the kitchen sink. So John had to be right. It's the cartridge. After all this, I'm fried over this thing. I, I'm ready to put my fist through drywall. I just, it's all, unnes- all unnecessary stuff. All unnecessary stuff. Total waste of time and money. Well, I know you and I talked a couple of times how you have a management company and I don't. The reason why is these are some of the things that I know that I would be able to analyze walking the homeowner through some of the problems. So once the, there was hot water in the kitchen sink, we know it couldn't have been the hot water heater. But again, if it's warm, it could be the elements inside that hot water heater. 
But again, with the hot water heater that's waking I today. I It's only, it was put in in 2015. They don't go that fast, do they? Uh, probably in the last 10 jobs I did, six of them had hot water heaters go on me within the past five years that they had installed them. Well, I'll bet it wasn't the water heater. Because I, when I when, when I double-checked with her, I said, turn the, turn the faucet on at the sink. And does the, uh, does the hot water come out? She said, yeah. So Maybe shower in the sink. Had to be shower in the sink. <laughs> one one body part at a time. It had to be the cartridge. It had to be. And that still hasn't, <laughs> still not done. It's, it's like a month-long pro- project. Just to get this going. Oh. Well, that's great planning from the builder from the beginning to be able to hide all this from everybody. So if there is a problem, which would happen because I know it's a newer building. It's not that old of a building, is it? No, it was built in 2013. And now there, here come the problems. So what you have to do is I would probably just have John or somebody go down there just to ensure that you have access and everything's set up. Do a, a whole survey. Well, it's all done that. now. It's all done. So they should be finishing it today. But now you have to do some drywall and re- patching, don't you? I'm going to have them do that. I'm, go, I'm not going back down there and do that again. No way. <laughs> <clears throat> this is when I have, when I run into something like this, I call it, it's like having all your teeth pulled at the same time. It just, it just doesn't stop. The pain doesn't stop. It keeps on coming. And you're not the only one. There's thousands and thousands of, of these horror stories a day that people are having across America. Yeah. More costly than this, actually. Yeah. yeah. So look at your time, the money that you spend oh. into it. And you still have an issue of still trying to correct the problem because you have to well, spackle hopefully- drywall. Well, I'm not, I'm just going to tell them to do it. Well, so maybe what we should do. Actually, it won't be drywall because they, order, I told them to order a, Hang a access, access panel door. Right. So they just put the, put the access panel in there, which is what should have been done in the very first place. Well, that's what, maybe we should do a show on for renting. If you have renters and renting people that are renting the landlords, should do a, like a survey check. Hey, I'm going to buy a property. What are the things that I should look at just to make sure that we are set up if a problem comes so you don't have these problems. Well, I got news for you. I checked this property up, up upside and down. You know, I've got other problems with it too. Okay? Mm-hmm. I even checked. I even got a copy of, because there are a lot of creeks in Philadelphia that have been covered over over the years, okay, with either streets or homes or whatever, and they cave in every once in a while. So I checked. I got the geological survey that they had, they had to do before they built the building, and I want to make sure there wasn't a creek underneath the building. Because I'm going to be walking down the basement one time and end up in a sewer and go into, <laughs> into the Delaware River, you know. So I, I checked it out upside and down, and this is just stupid. Management, <clears throat> when you're building a house, there's a lot more involved. <clears throat> I said, remember when I was doing the show with Joe, and I always made a comment to him, and he said, uh, you know, what do you think of the Jersey Shore builders? And I said, well, there is no Jersey Shore builders. It's people with money that are hiring guys that have half a brain to be able to do a building. Because when you look at the way they're building these things, it's absolutely horrible. It's to the minimum That's- code. That's all over. You, that's yeah, all over. It, right. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to say to him. It's just that builders are people that have money that are hiring sub crews to do it and having a general manager. No matter how big you are, it's more quality control that I'd be worrying about. But they've got to think ahead and have somebody that's in the business say, well, we can't really do it this way. We have to look at the future because there are going to be things that need to be fixed. I mean, you ever see sometimes that when you go in these new homes, the heating and air conditionings are wedged in a corner where. Well, that's kind of where my place is in Philly. And I was going to bring up an issue with the board that we should reroute all of these shutoff valves because if somebody has a problem in their, in their apartment, everybody's going to have the problem because you can't shut off the water. Correct. But that's got to be an expensive deal, right? Maybe they should have did it from the beginning. Well, yeah, no, but right now it's got to be an expensive deal. For everybody down there. If John says, oh, no, you don't want to get into that, that means money. big Right. Money. So I'm not, going to, I'm not going to bring it up. But what we should do is, again, educate our listeners. These are some of the things you're going to need to look at because if you're – Owning a property, 
And again, not saying you don't have experience to do it, but if you don't know what you're looking at when you bought the building, trying to get to that shuttle valve, and if this problem happens, maybe we should lighten our listeners and any homeowner across America that you better do these things, these check item lists that if you don't do it, you could be running the same problem that you just had. Well, I'll tell you, we got a guest coming on um, the next time we record. He's going to talk about inspections. And the thing that prompted that is a lot of people have been buying up houses in the seller's market and waiving inspections because they really want the house. And you and I have talked about this. Like, uh-oh, here it comes. You know, I bid $100,000 over asking. I didn't do any inspections. And then I'm going to be crying five years later when I can't sell the house for the, even the price I paid for it, right? Because of the issue that they ran exactly, into. Exactly, yep. exactly. So he's coming on uh, when we record next, and we can get into this subject with him as well. Yeah, a lot yeah. of great information we're going to be able to yeah. get out to the yeah. listeners. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, look, I get everything. I was kind of chuckling a little bit about how you were just trying to go through some of these things and some of the expenses that you paid. But, you know, oh. you, look, I can chuckle about it because we're talking about it, but just think of the aggravation you went through over the past month now. You know what? I would keep that. And you could always just use it or sell it to somebody else if it's still in operation. Well, I mean, it's there now, and I paid the money, and uh, I have to, I have to justify, I have to send them the bill for the for the installation and everything. So they they. So getting back to the warranty company, huh? what are they going to reimburse you with for the warranty company? Six fifty. Six fifty. That's it's a bargain. This whole thing will cost me like fifteen hundred bucks. You're going to reimburse me for six fifty. So you're glad you have a warranty company then. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely delighted. I'm going to have a party about it and drink some champagne. This <laughs> How long are you on the phone with the warranty company fighting with them? Oh, to try I to mean, get... this has been going on. and Well, you know, I keep telling you, I'm, yep. I'm doing this. It's, it's been going, it's like a marathon. So nightmares and it's horror stories. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. This can happen to anybody then. It can Absolutely. happen to you, it can happen to me. Absolutely. It's going to happen to everybody in that building when they can't shut their water off. <laughs> so contact us here at yourvaluablehome.net. So Kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. Well, listen. It's very simple to go through all this to try to minimize some of these problems that homeowners can have. They definitely can minimize it. But if you don't want to take that time to look into your rental property, knowing what you're going to be doing. Well, you know what? In Philadelphia, since 2014, actually, there's been so much. You've seen it down there. It's been so much building down there. It's all condos. So if everybody's doing their water shutoff situation the same way, it's a catastrophe waiting to happen. Keeps plumbers very happy in Philadelphia because they're going to be staying busy in a a job security. Okay. All right, we'll be back after we take a quick break. Kev, is it hard for clients planning large exterior projects to visualize how the colors and textures work together? It used to be, especially when they mix products from different manufacturers. Provia's new website and broad selection of exterior products make my job easy. Clients' faces light up as they choose all the products needed to give their home's exterior a now look with Provia's product line and their amazing new website. We use their visualizer right from my laptop. Hey, the site is amazing. Provia makes color selection a breeze. The website has eight suggested exterior color schemes that can be applied to Provia products, or customers can choose shades from any palette to suit their own tastes. The Design Center tab must be a great tool for you in visualizing how all Provia products work in harmony based on window and door configuration, siding, stone, and metal roofing color and style. It's brilliant. You can see how Provia products work together on a sample home or a photo of a client's own home. Then you save the work with the My Portfolio tab. The site even lets me take exterior measurements. The new Provia.com and an expansive line of exterior products deliver on Provia's mission, which is to serve by caring for details in ways others won't. For updating home exteriors, our listeners should go to Provia.com slash YVH first and visualize the possibilities. All right, Ron, now it's time for the college. And I know we've talked about it before, and homeowners bypass a lot of times doing this. What have we got? 
Well, it's an important subject today because uh, anyone buying uh, an already lived-in house today, not a, de- a development a house or whatever, yep. uh, with us is Bert Kotzebloom, and uh, he's from Haddon Home Inspection Services. And Bert serves clients is in Philadelphia area and southern New Jersey, but a lot of what we're going to be talking about here applies no matter where you live, Idaho, New Jersey, California, wherever. So, Bert, with this crazy seller's real estate market, which persists to this day, we've been in for some time where buyers, where potential buyers bid a lot over asking and then waive inspections to boot. I think I know the answer to this question. Is that risky? Well, I I suppose it is. You know, I have seen that. Of of course, the home inspector industry is going to say, never buy a house without an inspection. But the fact is, it's really a question of the buyer's tolerance for risk. Mm-hmm. If they're right on the right on the bubble with their financing and their budget and they don't get an inspection and something major is needed, you know, they're going to be in trouble with it. On the other hand, you know, if they have plenty of money and they love the house, they're willing to take the risk, buy it without an inspection, and they're ready to fix whatever is wrong. So I've seen both cases. The other thing is uh, folks will buy a house as is without an inspection and then ask for an inspection so they know for themselves what needs to be done. That is of benefit to the buyer, even though it wasn't a factor in the decision to buy or not buy. You know, it's not a factor in negotiating the price. Okay. What are the common touch points in a, in a home inspection? Assuming somebody decides to do it. Well, you know, it's really everything. The standards of practice in New Jersey are established by statute and the standards of practice are established by my trade organization called uh, the National Association of Certified Home Inspectors. It pretty much dictates everything that needs to be looked at. And the important things start out with the structure. Is it is it structurally sound, the foundation, and so on? Certainly the roof, looking at the condition of the roof covering. The flashing is a common point of failure on a roof before the roof covering fails. Uh, usually the penetrations through the roof are you know, the flashing around them is important, sewer vents, chimneys, and so on. And the attic. The attic tells a, a lot of stories. There are a, a moisture problem in the attic. Is there no ventilation? Um, uh, what about insulation? You can see an awful lot about the home from a trip into the attic. And then the big things are the systems. Obviously, the three are electrical, plumbing, and HVAC. Those are all uh, all need to be looked at pretty carefully to see uh, what their condition is, how old they are, whether they were there's any recalls on those manufacturers and so on. Uh, and then the easier things, I guess, are the interior and exterior, looking at the, the cladding, any decks, sidewalks and driveways, exterior, and then in the interior, you know, walls, ceilings, floors, doors. And of course, in the interior, you're going to take a good look at the kitchens and baths where there are a lot of appliances, uh, where there's a lot of water flowing in and hopefully flowing out um, to see, you know, kind of how the, all those appliances are, are functioning. When you inspect a roof, if you go into the attic, can you tell if the boards on the outside, whether they be OSB or plywood, and, and if it's a late model house, probably there's a good chance it is OSB, right? Yeah, it, it all depends on the builder himself. Some builders are strict about putting on a, a CDX product. Yeah. Uh, someone's that looking for mass and they want to make a lot of money. Uh, more money they're going to make, they're going to put a cheaper product up using the OSB for the, the roofing system. Walls, I don't mind. Guess just what for the I've roofing. got. 
OSB. <laughs> OSB. A 24-inch on center, too, with trusses. No, but can you tell from the inside, would if there if there is rot in one of the, or more of those boards, can you tell from the inside if that's happening, if it's not all the way through? If there is a leak and you don't see damage on the shingles or the roof covering, you get in the attic, you will see staining, probably. You might even, if there was a recent rainfall, you might even find water dripping from one of the rafters mm-hmm. or, or the sheathing. And then, of course, if you suspect a leak, uh, a moisture meter is a great way to go around to various areas that look like they're wet and compare the moisture levels to areas that are dry. Yeah, one of the other things when I, I always talk to homeowners about is that when you have it over the roof, ventilation is a very, very important thing with with any roofing system. And if you're up in the attic and you don't see any water damage, two things I always tell people to do is around the nails that penetrate through the plywood for right. all the roofing shingles, look around that nail and see if there's a black coating around, like a black staining. That's an indication of a lot of moisture. Then what you got to look at is I always like to do is I take my fingernails, being very careful, run it down the the edge of the plywood or the inside of the plywood. And what you'll notice, if it's a hollow sound, a little more hollow, that's the lamination that's like happening. Mulchy. Right. Well, mulches could be black, mulch is, yeah. is rotted. But this just could be delamination where there's just so much moisture throughout the years where the layers of the plywood had, during the winter, a lot of moisture, they were expanding and pulling apart those layers. So when you pull the sheathing off or the roof off, you'll notice the sheathing is, is like cracker thin. And what happens is those plywood will have to be replaced, but you might not see signs of rot or a blackening. It could be just regular plywood, but it's delaminated. It's so that's another factor that you have to consider into is that it's going to be an added expense when you're getting the roof done. You've got to make sure that roofer puts in there, hey, how much it is per sheet of plywood if it needs to be done. I don't think you mentioned windows and doors, too, looking at windows and doors. But in a house, I mean, my house, I had about, what, 25 windows in my house? You had house? a lot. 25 windows? That could be, what, a $40,000 bill, mm-hmm. right? If you got to replace them all. Do you look at windows and doors, too? We do. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, what I found is that a lot of homes have already had replacement windows installed. And some of them are, are really good quality. Some of them, particularly um, flipped homes, they're really cheap windows. And, you know, I would almost repair a wooden sash window that's in pretty good shape rather than replace it with a, a cheap uh, replacement window. But yeah, we, we look at all the windows, make sure they operate. And in the case of thermal windows, which most most windows are are thermal now, you know, make sure that the seal hasn't uh, failed. And because you'll know the window gets cloudy or you can see moisture inside the window and that can either be repaired or replaced. How about the HVAC the, system? That, 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 that's like a $10,000 bill. If you have to put in a, you know, an average HVAC system for the condenser outside and and the uh, air handler right that ten thousand could be in that range depending on the size of the house what would you consider an old hvac system mine is like (laughs) mine actually when i get rid of it's going to the smithsonian it's it's mine's 24 years (laughs) you're going to the system (laughs) i probably will yeah um mine's 24 years old now that's which is quite unusual right kevin yes yeah okay so what about the hva system what would you consider an old system yeah that that's a that's a question that uh, it's not just about age. It's about the condition of the system and the, and the quality of it to begin with. There are published life of service numbers for pretty much every element of a home. And there are published life expectancy numbers for HVA systems. I would say if you're getting 20 years out of a traditional furnace and condenser system for, for both heating and cooling, 
20 years, you're, you're doing pretty good. If you can stretch it out to 25, great. One of the advantages, though, of, of replacing it, and there are incentives, you know, government incentives to give you some uh, rebates for high-efficiency equipment, is you're, you're increasing the efficiency of the system. It's going to operate better. You're going to use less energy. Um, and you don't have to pay everything up front. I replaced my whole system last year. And because of the efficiency rating, I pay $100 a month to the utility company. They paid off the contractor. And I just pay $100 a month until it's paid off. No no interest. What, for a new system? For a whole new system. I got to look into that. A utility company. Who is the utility company? In my case, it's Public Service Electric and Gas, PSE&G. PSE&G. Is that, an Ectolon, state, is that an Ectolon company? It's a state program that's yeah. providing this money um, so the contractors paid off. You know, I'm not sure what the arrangement is between the utility company and the state, but it's a great program. Hmm. You know, you just need to pick equipment that qualifies. Okay. Makes sense. All right. How about, how about foundation? If you see a major crack in a foundation, what is that indicative of? Foundations are of course, either poured concrete or concrete block or, uh, you know, some kind of, of concrete product. All concrete shrinks and swells and cracks. It's really a question of how bad is the crack. If it's a hairline crack, um, you know, I'm not particularly concerned about it unless moisture is getting in or it looks like it's active. If the crack is, you know, a hairline crack one year and then it's open a quarter of an inch or half an inch the next year, it's active and it's a concern. Could be a faulty uh, footing under the foundation mm-hmm. could be moisture related moisture causes most problems with homes whether it's you know getting in through a leak in the roof or coming up through the basement or in through the side of the foundation moisture is other than fire i'd say moisture is the biggest enemy of a home when yeah, i do I'd see a significant that. i'd agree when with i do that. see a significant crack um i recommend a structural evaluation and uh, there are, you know, structural engineers who specialize in, in foundations and pretty much any, any problem with a foundation can be repaired. It's a question of what, what's it going to take and how much is it going to cost? Okay. What about termite damage? And, and the second question related to that, is it possible to actually quantify termite damage? What do I mean by that? If you check spots in the house... And if you find 10 spots in the house, is it possible to say the whole house is infested with termites? Termite contractors are specialists in Mm -hmm. not only identifying the presence of termites, but identifying the areas that are damaged and prescribing what needs to be repaired. So I would say, yes, termite damage can be quantified. Uh, There are specific techniques to find the damage. Uh, Usually it because they're coming, the termites are coming up from the soil along the foundation. Usually they're eating the sill uh, that the joists rest on, and then they'll move to the joists, and they can go right up the wall, you know, in the studs. So unless it was a, a, a ferocious infestation that went on for decades, I would say damage can be identified, quantified, and repaired. What is the preferred method of checking for water intrusion in a stucco-clad residential structure? I mean, stucco-clad structures in this part of the country have a bad rep, right? Correct. Kevin's shaking his head, yeah. I've, I've lived that to a certain degree. 
So what is the preferred method of checking for water intrusion in a stucco-clad residential structure? Actually, any. Yeah. It could be stucco-clad, uh, which is where the problems often lie, or it could be somebody, you know, it could be a structure that's uh, got uh, hardy board on it, for instance. It could be any yeah. of the products yeah, that down absolutely. there. Absolutely. It's all, it's all about the prep. If the prep's yep. done right, you're never going to have any problem with any of these products. No, but what, what's, the be- what's the best way to test for it? So I guess the first thing is to know what kind of stucco we're talking about. There are many different products under the label of EFS, which is extruded yep. mm-hmm. insulation material. Um, but if we're talking about traditional stucco, sometimes called brown coat, sometimes called three coat, the first thing that is just to look at the condition. You know, are you, Do you see damage? Do you see cracks? Do you see spalling? Uh, maybe stains where water, ha- you know, has penetrated the stucco coating. Uh, I always check to make sure there's a weep screed at the bottom of the stucking, uh, of the stucco down near the foundation, mm-hmm. because the the moisture that uh, even condensation that can build up inside uh, a stucco wall, the moisture needs needs a way to get out. Gotta so get the weep out. screed yeah. at the bottom is pretty important. Um, so beyond visual and, you know, most of a home inspection is visual. We have, we have some tools and instruments and so on, but it's pretty much a visual inspection. Um, the next step would be to use some tools. And I like to use an infrared camera, uh, both inside the house and outside the house. You have to know how to read the signatures of moisture and temperature because moisture inside a wall will, will show up you know, we'll have a signature a lot like uh, temperature, temperature changes. Yep. It's, it's sort of like you're looking for clues. Um, if you don't see damage to the naked eye, let's let's put the uh, the thermal imaging infrared camera on it, see what we see. And then if if, if you want to go further and or you see some areas that are suspect, um, you need to do some invasive testing. And that usually involves drilling small holes at the right place and putting a moisture probe inside the wall um and and that you know that's a that's a i think it takes um you know some some real skill and some detective work to figure out not only if there's a moisture problem behind the stucco but where where it's coming from and how much damage has it done well i i can tell you i personally experienced it both ways okay um, I had a situation once and had a lot of holes drilled in my house. It's always two side by side, right? Two, uh, like under a window, you could both sides do both sides of windows. Right? Most of the penetration areas. But but I got a uh, property in Philadelphia. It's a nine unit building. It's not I don't own the whole building. It's just one unit in the building. And what I did was got a somebody to do an infrared inspection. Of the whole of every surface uh, on the cladding system, okay, and we came up with which is amazing, okay, and reading it properly is is the key issue. We came up with pictures of how the water actually traveled off the roof of this building and infiltrated the different parts of the building. It goes different ways, all you know. It's a, and and if you tracked it on the outside or what was damaged on the outside, it matched perfectly with what we were seeing in the infrared. So I. I, I, I lean towards the infrared because, A, you don't have holes in your building, right? And, right, and, B, right. and B, you can actually see the, 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 the route the water takes with the infrared. What areas of stucco-clad home are most likely suspect for water intrusion? Yeah, any, 
any opening or seam, you know, if you think of a Tudor home that, you know, there are lots of contact points between the architectural elements and the stucco, the architectural elements might be, um, you know, wood pieces of, of wood. So there's a seam there. Water will, water will find a way if there is an opening or a crack, water will find a way. Yep. Certainly uh, vents, any, you know, vents, uh, might be a dryer vent or an attic vent and openings where electrical you know, lights and other outlet boxes and things have have created an opening in the stucco. And over time, I mean, water will find a way. Water will definitely find yep, a way. It does. And it, it's the enemy of every homeowner, I think, water, right? Water intrusion. Yeah, you, you can go right. on a list and we can always talk about how far it will go. I mean, even there's times where if I'm putting veneer stone up mm-hmm. and the stone goes up three foot up the wall, we put a layer of ice shields, uh, then we put the Tyvek over top of that the, to drain properly. So there's multi-levels that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But if you really think about it, I'm putting staples through the ice shield. Now, the ice shield does seal around that staple, but over time, the staple is getting a lot of moisture around it, and it's going to sure. start to rust away. Sure. Mm-hmm. So technically, you know, this is years down the line. You could say, well, there are holes in there because it rusted away, so the penetration then can happen again. It's trying to do the least path to resistance to get the most out of what you're doing so that people don't have these big problems in two to three years. I'd like to see it in 25 to 30 years. Uh, That's a good point. The construction technique and materials uh, at the time, you know, things are built, make a big difference in what's going to happen over time. Oh, and yeah. Code, and code. Well, when you what said Tudor code boards. Then, what is code now? Well, Tudor know? boards, every time there was a development not too far from where we live in Bucks County. And it was probably about 40 years old. These two, and I did a few of those homes. And every time I, I, I got to a a house that had it, like, oh boy, this is going to be a mess. And people are like, why? I said, the way they did it, they actually put the lath up, then they put the boards around, then they did the brown coat and did the three coat system. So the seams were just water was just pouring in around the board. So the boards would rot because they were back lath or sealed from the inside. And then once you saw that, you just knew the whole area was going to be a disaster. But again, you're right, through codes over time, and then people, method of application, just because the code's there, if people aren't doing the right job and the method of application is still not updated for where it should be, mm-hmm. you're still going to have a problem. So everything sure. comes down to the method of application. I mean, you could even, codes are minimal. I like to take it about seven steps further to make sure there's never a problem. If you get to these high water areas, which is stucco, stonework, anything like that, to do it properly from the beginning. That's what we did when we did my house over, right? We went above code. Correct. With the, with the underlayment, We right? overkilled yeah, it. Feel, well, Nothing wrong with that. Right. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. Um, is there any difference, Bert, in inspecting uh, the inspection methodology depending on the type of house? Say an old stone house, a lot of Bucks County stones and, and, and a lot of stone homes in New Jersey as well, versus, say, a 25-year-old development house? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say, I'd say there are. Um, you know, I, I love old stone uh, homes, some are, are actually historically significant because of their architecture and materials. Uh, Philadelphia um, has a lot of homes built from Wissahick and Schist. And, uh, it, you know, the stone is pretty durable. The issue is the mortar around the stones. It might be stacked stones. They might be mortared. Uh, you're looking for, for signs where the mortar is deteriorated. Maybe it's missing. I mean, I see places where, particularly where water is running down the side, um, of a house, maybe from a, a faulty gutter or downspout, or maybe maybe there's a saddle in the roof where that's the way water travels off the roof and right down the side of the of the stone home, and it will erode it will erode um, the the mortar, and then you add freeze thaw cycles, you know, summer and winter and freezing. Eventually, mortar's just gonna 
going to be uh, chipped away and, and missing. So uh, that's a specific technique for, for older stone homes. Um, newer homes tend to have, you know, obviously more modern materials, uh, poured concrete and, and con- concrete masonry units or, or block. It still starts with a visual, you know, visual inspection, maybe some poking with a, with an instrument like a screwdriver to see if, uh, if there's some, something loose or some damage. Um, and the stone homes are, are just simpler, stronger construction, um, unless there's a specific issue where modern homes are a lot more things that can go wrong with the whole home. This, you know, the okay. cladding, the structure, the roof, there's so many more vulnerable points, I think, with a with a modern home. You use the term called Wissahickon schist, which most people yes. probably don't know. It's indigenous to this area, Yep. right? And you're not going to find it in any other particular type of stone that's indigenous to this area, correct? You won't find it in any the other dust place stone. in the country. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it has that sparkle to it. Yeah, yeah. I call it the dust stone. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting <laughs> stuff. Okay, let's move along here. How many people on average back out of a sale because of red flags? How, how many have you seen? Yeah, well, what I just said recently is because probably the past three years is probably down to nothing. Everyone's just buying Everybody, sight unseen. Everyone's buying, 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 yeah. Prior to that, I'm sure it's been a little different and uh, easier for you because of people going through it, uh, of going through these tests. And now it's nobody wants these tests. They want to get the house. The only way to get the house is to just build with no uh, clauses in, no inspections, no anything, correct? Okay. Right, right. I mean, if you're willing to pay significantly over asking price and you're willing to waive <laughs> waive an inspection, you're not probably going to back out. Uh, you're not going to back out. No, you're not going to back I've out. I've had a few a few um, buyers um, back out. It really wasn't about the the cost of what needed to be done. They just didn't want the headache of doing some major repairs. Uh, in one case, you know, the house was on a marginal floodplain. They backed out for that reason. Uh, another case, you know, the the fireplace chimney was in pretty bad shape, and the whole thing would have would have had to been reconstructed. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's it's uh, it's not something people do anymore. It just seems like they they're ready to buy it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't get it. Would you do that? Well, me personally, yeah, no, I, mean, I, I, I would, would not do it either. Right, I would I'm a contractor. Yeah. yeah, it's easy <laughs> stuff for me. But for homeowners, because if you're buying a five hundred thousand dollar house, you're paying five hundred ninety thousand. You get the house, and you got to sink another three hundred thousand into it. You're not going to get that money out. No, your return on your investment is going to no, be you're way 40 above years way now. above the norm for the neighborhood at that point. Correct. Yeah. So let me here's here's one for you. This is I've I've often thought about that. Are sellers required to divulge the results of a home inspection? Say somebody comes in, kicks the tires, has the house inspected, decides to back out, but then are they required to divulge the results of that inspection to future prospects? That's probably a question for a lawyer, but I would say, you know, the report and the findings belong to my client. And in most cases, it's the buyer. So the seller might not even know uh, what's in the report. They just know the buyer backed out. Now, in some cases, the seller hires me to do the inspection and they get the report. I don't know if they're legally obligated to tell everyone what's in the report. If a seller is going to go to the trouble to get an inspection, they want to know. So I think they're either going to disclose it on the disclosure 
uh, papers or they're going to fix fix it the things yeah. that need to be fixed mm-hmm. there's some legal questions there that are outside my area should a home inspection service call in specialized expertise to evaluate um, a a septic system or a connection to a municipal sewer system which can really be expensive if you have to replace it right yeah i mean if you have trees that are coming yeah. through your line we've covered um, the infestation of ash trees in emerald the east, ash in the, bore. along the east yep. east coast with the emerald ash bore and uh i went out this goes back about six months ago eight months ago with uh, my girlfriend and her daughter and son-in-law and looked at a house i walked into their backyard there were about a dozen ash trees back there that were dead as a doornail and they're I mean, monsters no saving and they're big and they're big and if they fall they can kill somebody so i said i said to them i would not buy this house because you've got at least Twelve thousand dollars with with twelve or thirteen of them. Twelve thousand dollars back can, there. You got to bring in a bucket. Nobody's going to climb that. We tree. can buy. Just have to understand. Yeah. It's going to take twelve to fifteen thousand dollars of tree removal, so your but, tree doesn't fall in the house and shave some square footage off. But you're not. But you're not adding to the value of the house. All you're doing no. is protecting yourself. That really. is correct. So it's. I would walk away from a house like that, and, and which is what they exactly what they did. So would you bring yeah. in special expertise to deal with any one of those three situations? Uh, absolutely. In the case of septic, I don't do septic inspections, but I think most counties or municipalities require some kind of test and certification that the septic system is functioning. And that's the case in the rural areas of New Jersey that I'm familiar with. The government's going to have some say about whether the septic's any good or not. There are obviously there are tests for functioning of of septic and septic systems have a lifetime. I mean, they don't last forever. You yeah. know, they the drain fields fail, and if they're not, if you don't maintain the system, you know, by pumping it regularly, it's it's going to fail. And as far as municipal sewer, yes, uh, in older places like like where I'm based in Haddonfield and, and so on, uh, some of those sewer laterals are a hundred years old. They're terracotta or cast iron, and they fail. So I always ask any of my clients who are having inspection, particularly an older home, there are things you should think about, like underground tank. You know, does it look like there was an oil furnace in the basement? Yep. Um, you might want to do a scan for oil tanks and certainly look at, have a video inspection of the sewer line to see what kind of condition it's in. Sometimes it just needs to be um, aggressively cleaned because uh, sediment builds up in them. Other times they do need to be replaced. And you are right. That's an expensive thing. Uh, one more thing about the trees. Uh, it's not just dead trees that I point out. If there is a huge tree very close to a home, um, you know, I recommend that uh, some of the limbs be trimmed because uh, big live trees can get can get um, can drop branches and storms can can topple those big trees and you don't want one falling on your house no it, i mean it would probably destroy the house could kill somebody too shaving square trees footage yeah, we minutes. call it shaving square footage off because it can yeah. shear a side of the house absolutely absolutely what does the average home inspection normally cost and and how long does the average home inspection take so it takes um an average home i'd say two to three hours it depends on the age of the home older homes take longer from my experience and certainly bigger homes there's a lot more to inspect um, the other variable is whether the buyer tags along, and I like that. I like the buyer to come with me. I can tell them about maintenance requirements. I can suggest improvements, things that are at the end of its 
service life. They might want to think about replacing a 20 year old furnace. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, two to three hours, sometimes longer if, if, uh, the buyer tags along. And as far as cost goes, I'd say $500 is a, is, um, an average cost, a small, a small home or a condo is less, but, um, a typical three or four bedroom home is going to be about $500. Hey, I can't. Uh, term, I can't. I can't think of any reason why you wouldn't want to spend that money. You know, <laughs> right. I, I, can't, I, would, I would spend. Uh, the yeah. Money. Yeah. Well, see, and a couple of added things to that. I always tell the homeowner something to get a little bit more into detail. We talked about with HVAC systems. If you have a boiler system, uh, see the maintenance of it. Take a look at the maintenance. So see if that's been maintenance every year. It was cleaned. Uh, the, the noise yeah, been they cleaned. Usually the put the filters. record right on the side of them. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But go one step further to call that that gas company or the the petroleum company that they're dealing with just to make sure somebody just didn't write something up to make Mm -hmm. sure that they actually did the job. I know it's a little bit more time, but taking a look at that, look at the bathroom, see if the area has been cleaned. Do they maintenance it very well? So if they needed to be caulked or anything that's wicking into it, you can always tell if there's a lot of mold, you you get that smell, you know, there's going to be an issue behind there. It's a condition of the house. Same thing with the septic system. It's got to be drained. Uh, If you got one room like that, you'd be suspect about what the rest of the house is. Somebody cares about their house is going to be doing these things. Correct. So that's one of the advice that I could give somebody. All right. Bert Kossaboom, thank you very much. Haddon Home Inspection Services. You serve uh, Philadelphia area and Southern New Jersey. Very, very informative. And thank you very much, Bert, for joining us. Hey, thanks very much. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to be here with you guys. All you right, it, take care. Hey, Kev, great news on how our listeners can tap into their home equity without taking a loan, making monthly payments, or piling on debt. With Unison, they get up to 17.5% of their home's value to remodel, pay off debt, buy a vacation home, whatever. You have Unison, right? Yep, paid off medical debt. Unison's terms were perfect for me, especially zero monthly payments for up to 30 years. Zero monthly payments? How do they make money? When you sell your home, you pay them the original co-investment amount plus a percentage of the change in your home's value up to 30 years later. How do we learn more? Go to unison.com backslash YVH, which stands for Your Valuable Home. Again, that's unison.com backslash YVH. Additional terms and conditions apply. Visit unison.com backslash YVH for details. Remember the name Provia, your single source for professional class, entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone and metal roofing, products made with latest technology and honest old-world craftsmanship. The Provia way. That's this week's podcast. Your Valuable Home comes to you every week on the new Pod City Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, and all other popular podcast directories. If you want us to share your home improvement project or horror story, email me at kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. That's kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. And don't forget to tell your friends and family about Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast that's all about building wealth in residential real estate and hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. 